This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Renee Colvert. And I'm Alexis Preston. And this is An Animal Saved My Life, a podcast about the incredible animals who change our lives forever. Alexis, I have good news and I got bad news. Okay, lay it on me. Okay. This is our very last episode of this season. No! I know. I know, but remember, I got good news. Oh, right. Yes. Okay, great. My very favorite producer is here. Nora Canidas Boydell, hello! Hi. Hi, Nora. Hello. Thank you for hopping in on this. Oh, my pleasure. Well, and there's a reason Nora is here, actually. Uh, yes. It wasn't just for fun. Now, Nora, you've got a story about an animal that we have not talked about yet. Bonobos. Bonobos. Ooh, bonobo. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I've got a story about bonobos. Bonobo. Bonobo? Bonobo. <laughs> They're very cool. Yeah. You've become a little bit obsessed with them, right? Yes. How did you find this one? So basically, this all started when I was looking for stories for the podcast. Okay. Um, you know, we've been looking for inspiring animal stories. They've been really fun. At the same time, the news has just been ugly and a little scary. Yes. A hot mess. Yeah. People are really divided right now and... Sometimes these magical animal stories can feel kind of disconnected from everything that's going on out there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, right. So these two things were feeling really different. And then I found this writer, her name's Vanessa Woods, and she somehow managed to tie all of this together. Like the magic of animals and the division we're all experiencing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Whoa. Oh, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So if the other episodes have been like, an animal saved my life, I'm thinking this one is maybe a bit like, how animals can save us all. Oh, I love it. I mean, why are we waiting? Can we get into it, please? Will we start the story? <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Here's Vanessa. My name is Vanessa Woods, and I am a writer and a research scientist, and I live in North Carolina. I was just one of those crazy animal kids. Like, my best friend was my dog, and we had a magpie growing up in Australia, and, you know, we had just all sorts of wildlife. I had sheep as pets and um, anything furry or soft with big eyes I just, you know, loved After college, I got a job censusing chimpanzees in Uganda. So this was like a dream for me. 
Vanessa ended up on a small tropical island on Lake Victoria, which is Africa's biggest lake. The whole island was a sanctuary for chimpanzees. But when Vanessa got there, another primate caught her eye. I had never really believed in love at first sight. I remember walking in and there was this guy there and he had these bright blue eyes and this crazy brown hair. And I was just shocked because usually the volunteers are girls. Like all the chimp girls are, you know, it's like a thing. Jane Goodall, Diane Fossey, Claudine Andre thing. It's just like we just have this thing about great apes. So I was so surprised to see a male species in the house and it just hit me. This was like really instantaneous and uh, it's hard to explain. We just kind of like looked at each other and you just got a little shock. This human was named Brian and he was a scientist from the United States. I was just used to these Australian guys who were kind of like, let you carry your own bags and come on, love, you'll be, you'll, you'll be right. And all of a sudden I had this like Southern gentleman who was opening doors and buying dinner and, and flying me to Germany to see him because that's where he lived at the time. And it was just, it just all felt terribly romantic. Uh, we were about as, as opposite as you can get. Like, Brian was the type of guy, like, he always had the antibiotics. He had the first aid kit. He had, you know, every conceivable plan A, B, C, and D. And, uh, you know, where I was just like, run into the jungle, just wander around, and yeah, everything's going to be great. I was dirty. I was, like, messy. Yeah, I, I think it was just different to the other girls he'd been seen before. Different to the southern ladies of the Piedmont Club. (laughs) He's like, who is this wild woman? I know, and it's funny because all the stuff you really find attractive in the beginning just really starts to irritate you. It's 10 years down into marriage. It's it's amazing we're still even together. But in the (laughs) beginning, it was really fun. I think we had about three weeks face-to-face before we were engaged. So, in a reverse Tarzan situation, the wild jungle woman and the orderly scientist got hitched. Even the way they worked with animals was completely different. I'm used to seeing animals as as just another member of my family. I love to hug and kiss them and play with them and interact with them. And um, Brian's approach is really different. He's really interested in just observing them. He's interested in their minds. It's a much more analytical approach. Brian is always thinking, just like, tick, 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 tick. Why did you do that? Did you see that happen? Scientists like Brian study the minds of chimpanzees to learn more about humans and what makes us tick. Tick, 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 tick. When you're trying to find out what it is to be human, you need to figure out what it is to be not human. And, uh, you know, you could look at a goldfish if you like, but um, chimpanzees are just so closely related to us. They share 98.7% of our DNA. They look so human. They have fingernails, their expression in their eyes. And, you know, and they have all these interesting parallels with humans, like they have war, they have murder. So they have this dark side to complement this wonderful side. And And of course, what better reflections of humans than that? 
But Brian was also interested in another primate, one that's just as closely related to us as the chimpanzee. Brian knew about bonobos when very few people did. Nobody knows what a bonobo is. If you saw a bonobo, you'd probably think, whoa, a chimpanzee. They share 98.7% of our DNA. And they look pretty similar, but unlike chimps. Bonobos are female-dominated, and they are the only great ape that doesn't kill one another. Brian was just super interested in this. Tick, 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 tick. And he wanted to know what made them special and different and potentially how we could learn from bonobos. Because for all our intelligence and all our technology, we still haven't managed um, not to kill each other. So this is a really interesting, important thing about bonobos in their society. Now, bonobos only live in one country in the whole world, the Democratic Republic of Congo, or the DRC. So after Vanessa and Brian had spent a whole three months together, Brian did what any smitten man would do. And so Brian was like, come study bonobos. You know, their females are in charge and they don't have war. And I was like, they sound really boring because, you know, I love chimpanzees. Like, I love their drama and the politics and the intrigue. Um, and, and, you know, in addition, he's like, and they live in the most dangerous country in the world. And I was like, that sounds terrible. That's a terrible idea. But Brian promised Vanessa that all she'd have to do was hang out with baby bonobos. He'd do all the work, like designing games for the bonobos and studying their behavior. So Vanessa quit her job and packed her bags, and they went to a sanctuary of sprawling rainforest called Lola Ya Bonobo, the paradise of bonobos. There's a waterfall that runs outside the sanctuary. And when you walk into the sanctuary, it really does feel like paradise. It has this beautiful lake with these tropical lilies and this, this wonderful forest. And if you go at the right time, there are just these explosions of butterflies, like flocks and clouds of them. And in the distance, you hear bonobos, and they sound like birds. They sound like these really exotic, strange birds, and they're just, it fills the air in this kind of chorus. So it's just this really magical experience. But there was trouble in paradise. Bonobos don't like men that much. They actually prefer women. Brian had set up all these games and experiments, but they didn't want to play with him. And so I had to do everything, and it was it was grueling. It was just a lot of um, science that I was not used to. It's just tick 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 tick. You know the same repetition. You have to be extremely careful. It's very meticulous. It's very precise, uh, and that that was rough for me. But otherwise, it was super fun, um, and I was getting to know an animal in a way that I hadn't really done before. Bonobos are impossible not to love once you meet them. They are so silly. 
oh my gosh, they would set in the lake and they would just blow bubbles. And there's this one bonobo called Kokongo and he would literally sit in the lake for hours just blowing raspberries and, you know, he'd catch a frog and, like, put the frog on his head. And, I mean, you just would sit there watching them laughing hysterically. And the babies, they were always busting out of the nursery and like running across the breakfast table and sticking their face in the milk and knocking over your tea. And they, I mean, bonobos are just joy, especially the babies. They are just pure joy and you can't help but fall in love with them. The babies can't help but fall in love with you either. Remember when Vanessa first met Brian and they just kind of clicked? We just kind of like looked at each other and it just hit me. Baby bonobos are kind of like that. So with chimpanzees, it's like, you know, they love everybody. But bonobos do this thing where as soon as you walk in to the nursery, they look at you and they'll choose you. And that's like, you are my person. And from then on, like, that bonobo will just be with you the whole time. And I loved it because it was this really special connection. But Brian had never been interested in hugging babies in the nursery. He's such a data junkie. He just wants to keep testing, wants to keep playing these experimental games and finding out how they think. This one day, Vanessa was in the nursery when a baby bonobo showed up. Her name was Malou, and she became a little celebrity. A Russian couple had bought her off the black market totally illegal. They had stuffed her in hand luggage and covered her in mangoes so that they could smuggle her back to Russia. But when they landed in Paris, the mango disguise didn't make it past security. She was a mess. She was dehydrated. She was almost dead, basically. And, you know, Lola Ya Bonobo is the only bonobo sanctuary in the world. So there she was a nurse back to health, and she was just a, a beautiful bonobo. She had these, you know, big almond eyes and huge lashes and everybody called her, you know, La Parisienne because she'd been to Paris and they made songs up about her. Malou was short for Marie-Louise. Those long lashes also earned her the nickname The International Model. So one day, Brian walked into the nursery and, I mean, Malou looked at him and and that was it. This was, like, really instantaneous. Usually the volunteers are girls and there was this guy there and he had these bright blue eyes and this crazy brown hair. That was it. And so she kind of like sashayed up to him and batted her eyelashes. They just do this thing where they kind of like climb up and then they they put their arms around your neck and then they just look into your eyes. And Brian, who had never really formed any kind of attachment, he just, you know, he loves all great apes equally for their minds. He just fell for her. She she chased him hard. I mean, she would, like, bust out of the nursery, run down while we were having breakfast, knock over everything, and then, like, crawl up under Brian's T-shirt and just giggle. 
And they do this thing where they, they just laugh and they laugh and they laugh and they laugh and they laugh. And um, Brian was just completely smitten by her. He was so smitten that he'd head into the forest just to look for Malou. He'd climb over rocky crevices and find her lounging around in the leaves, eating a mango. And when she saw him, her whole face would just light up. The two of them started spending whole days together. Ah, he was just, he just thought she was amazing. Oh, she was the smartest one. Oh, yes, my Lou. And then I would like see them and then he was just like, you know, they'd be cuddling and he'd be like tickling her and she'd be laughing. He used to do this game with her uh, where he would like throw her up in the air as as high as he could. And Malou, when Brian threw her in the air, she would just go limp. And if he had not caught her, I, I mean, she would have like cracked her head open. She just knew that no matter what, he would catch her as she fell. When Malou found out that I was Brian's woman, um, she just was, <laughs> she was just a nightmare. Are female bonobos really peaceful? Or will this love triangle end in bad blood? We'll find out after the break. Welcome back. When Malou first showed up at the sanctuary, she didn't have a problem with Vanessa. But then, she got wind that Vanessa and Brian were together. Bonobos are a peaceful folk, but it turns out they can throw daggers with their eyes. It's crazy. Like, bonobos, they they get jealous. She would, like ambush me at random places she would like hide in the bamboo and then she would like jump on me and like kick me in the head she would rub like poop in my hair and just like run away cackling oh the throes of love brian was oblivious to vanessa's plight malu would wait for him to leave the breakfast table then jump up knock over vanessa's tea and steal her toast you know, in case rubbing poop in her hair didn't send the message. So the mamas in the nursery would always make fun of me because, like, it was so clear how jealous Malou was. And they would be like, oh, Vanessa, she don't, you know, watch out. We, we can't see Malou. She's going to come and kick you in the head. Um, and then, and then uh, Brian was the only one who could test her as well. Like, you, you know, I tested all the bonobos, but Malou would only play the games with Brian Sometimes I felt like the other woman because, you know, Brian was working me so hard on all the the tests and the games. We were really pushing against time, but every time he saw Malou, he was just, you know, all fun and games and just willing to spend time with her. So I think in that way, sometimes I felt like, you're nicer to her than you are to me. We were always like, you know, going through the data and be like, who do you think will be able to play this? And who do you think will be able to understand that? And Brian was always like, Malu, 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 Malu. I was like, oh, yeah, you're so objective. Well, look at you and your scientific mind. He was just completely infatuated with everything Malu did. 
Would he admit it? Yeah, of course. He's like, yes, she's the best and, and she's amazing. And, you know, he would be asked to be in all these documentaries. And, he, and he's like, Malu will be with me. Malu will play the games. Malu, 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 Malu. It was just like eye roll. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, at, at the time I was annoyed. But um, looking back on it, it was just it, so bonobo. Bonobos, they just kind of like wrap you in their whole family drama. And I think it was new for Brian to be part of them the way I'd been used to. Did she ever start coming around to you? No, 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 no. I loved her. It's just hard not to fall in love with any kind of bonobos and you had to admire her tenacity. But no, no, she never wanted anything to do with me. Never even like a, a little olive branch. No, like never. No, 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 no. No, it was just all about Brian. All about Brian all the time. Where is he? Huh. Where is he? <gasps> Malu, 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 Malu. Oh my gosh. Despite her best efforts, Malu actually brought Vanessa and Brian closer together in this really important way. Remember that game Brian used to play with Malu where he'd throw her up in the air? As high as he could. I mean, it was high. Like, Brian used to play baseball. He can, he can pitch far. When Brian threw her in the air, she would just go limp. She just knew that no matter what, he would catch her as she fell. And it's, it's this kind of trust that they're capable of that makes bonobos so special. And when Vanessa was watching them, she was like, whoa, I think that's maybe what love is supposed to be about. It's just deciding to trust someone, even though you can't control whether they catch you or not. And she realized something else. I wasn't sure whether I wanted kids, because, you know, I liked running around and being dangerous. But I saw Brian with Malu, and I knew that he would never let her fall. And for me, it was when I knew that Brian was going to be a wonderful father. I was like, you know what? You are going to make an awesome dad. To have that moment where I could see that was important to me. After Brian and Vanessa left the sanctuary, they moved to the U.S. But they kept visiting every year. So, you know, we saw these bonobos every year. We watched them grow up. We knew every funny little quirk of their personalities. And, uh, I mean, at times we were spending more time with the bonobos than we were with our relatives. So they were really like family to us. As the years went by, Malu kept growing and flourishing. There was talk of her being one of the bonobos that could be released into the wild. But it didn't work out that way. Um... Every now and then a flu will go through the sanctuary and bonobos are very susceptible to human respiratory viruses. And, um, and she got really sick and then she died. And it was, it was heartbreaking. You know, Brian was just crushed. Had you ever seen him like that before? No, no. And he never felt that way about another, anyone, again, in terms of like bonobos or the chimpanzees. I mean, he never formed that connection. You know, there was just something so special about Malu. And then when she was gone, I, you know, I don't 
really think he he ever felt like he wanted to go through that again. The grief is real. You love them. They're like they're like you you love them. You name your firstborn after someone who was important to you. And when we had a little girl, we named her Malu. And so he would throw baby Malu, like my baby Malu, really high up in the air. And so I knew no matter what, Brian was going to protect her, whether she was up in the air or whatever happened to her during her life. If Brian was there, he would catch her as she fell. And does she know a lot about her namesake? Yeah, we have pictures of Malu all over the house. And she's like, I'm named after a bonobo. And everyone's like, what's that? My kids know a lot about bonobos. And actually, every time they see a chimpanzee on the telly, they're like, it's a bonobo, which makes me happy. After the break, monkey see, monkey do. We find out why we should all know more about bonobos and try to be more like them. Psst. This is the part about why animals might just save us all. Stick around. Welcome back. So Vanessa and her husband Brian weren't just hanging out with bonobos so they could get swept up in a love triangle, although they did. They were there to figure out what these primates can teach us about us. Tick, 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 tick. Remember, our two closest relatives are chimps and bonobos. They share 98.7% of our DNA. But chimpanzees have been studied more, and so they are the apes that we tend to think that we're the most alike. And because of that, our view of human nature and what we consider natural might be kind of skewed. So a quick recap. Chimps are male-dominated, but bonobos... Bonobos are female-dominated, and they are the only great ape that doesn't kill one another. And also, how to say this for the whole family, mating rituals are another big difference. Male chimpanzees guard females, and they often fight over who gets to mate. It's about power and procreation, and it can get pretty ugly. But for bonobos, it's a lot more peaceful. Mating and mating-adjacent activities are consensual hobbies that bond the group together. It's not just about producing offspring, and it's definitely not heteronormative. And there's one other really important difference between these animals. Bonobos act very differently towards strangers than chimpanzees. Chimpanzees, they're almost always hostile to strangers. They form, like, raiding parties. They'll go into another territory. They'll just systematically wipe out everyone from the other group. Sure, baby Malou could throw a wicked jealous look at Vanessa, but that's better than genocide. Bonobos are really different. They're more likely to share with strangers. They'll hang out and, like, travel together for a couple of days. They have a really affiliative reaction to strangers. An affiliative reaction to strangers. So what does that mean? Well, say you had an extra banana. You don't need it. You're not that hungry. It's a really tasty banana, though. As a human, you'd probably be happy to share it with a friend or a relative. Same with bonobos. They love to share. Now here's the difference. 
if we had to choose between sharing that banana with a friend or a stranger, most humans would pick friend. Studies show it. Bonobos, on the other hand, would rather give that tasty banana to someone that they just met. And so the way that bonobos are inspiring is the way they react to strangers. And, you know, there's this common misconception that you know, life is a jungle and you have to be mean and you've got to step on people on your way up. And that's not how bonobos are. And so they taught me that there is a different way. And actually their way is much more successful. Hmm. What is that different way? It's, don't be a dick. <laughs> Amazing. Like, just be nice. You know, if make up. <laughs> it's, it's really simple, but it's something that for all our technology and all our gigantic brains, we haven't been able to, to figure out how to do yet. So, you know, this podcast is called An Animal Saved My Life, and we have all of these amazing stories, and sometimes these animals are literally saving people's lives. But when I first talked to you, I walked away from the conversation thinking, ah, like, animals can save all of us, uh, humanity in a way. I think that the way we see nature um, and the way we see animals really reflects also then how we behave towards each other. There is this idea that there is a, a hierarchy with life on Earth and, you know, humans are at the top and sea sponges are at the bottom. And I think what we're seeing now with the divisiveness and, you know, the conflict is very much this hierarchical view. And those who are willing to perceive some species as being better than another are also more likely to say things like there are certain people who are more deserving of harm or there are certain people who are more deserving of medical care. So Vanessa is saying this. The science shows if you think humans are just better than other animals, you're more likely to think that some humans are just better than other humans. And the opposite is also true. People who have a more tolerant view of animals are more likely to be accepting of other groups of people. So if you respect the animal world, you're more likely to respect people who aren't like you. So caring about animals is almost like a safety measure for society. And there's one animal who is especially good at getting us to care. If there was going to be an animal who changed someone who thought some species were better than others, it's going to be our dogs because anybody who has and loves a dog would never think that they are incapable of, of love, of joy, of affection, of grief. And so, you know, I see dogs as this bridge between humans and animals that can also then lessen the divide between different groups of people. It is the bridge in the form of contact or the form of friendship that is going to diffuse tension and allow groups to come together. And essentially, that's what dogs are. They are the bridge between two different groups. And Vanessa says we need those bridges between different types of species, but also between different types of people. And we're actually pretty good at doing that when we try. 
If we weren't, we wouldn't have civilization as we know it. But it means rising to the best part of human nature, being a little more bonobo and a little less chimp. We see this time and time again that if you can form a true friendship, this is the best way to decrease prejudice, dehumanization, and to bring two groups together. A true friendship, if you can do that, that is the single most powerful way you will have of changing someone else's mind. You know, if we can find a way to be more bonobo-like, identifying people who are different from us, but seeing where they are the same and then coming together over that, you know, it, it's the only way forward. That was Vanessa Woods, the award-winning writer and journalist. Vanessa is also the director of the Duke Puppy Kindergarten. I'm picturing you um, underneath a pile of puppies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am underneath a pile of puppies. <laughs> Amazing. Today's episode was reported and produced by Nora Kanidis Boydell. Nick Farrago is our managing producer. Story editing by Evan Roberts. Our sound mixer is John Ross. You can find Vanessa's work at her website, vanessawoods.net. Her latest book, which she co-authored with her husband, Brian, is called Survival of the Friendliest. If you've been enjoying the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Every time you leave a review, a bonobo puts a frog on its head. (laughs) I'm Alexis Preston. And I'm Renee Colvert. And you've been listening to An Animal Saved My Life. Stay tuned for another season of Incredible Animal Stories. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much.